Welcome to this week's Parsha Shir, Parshat Ekev. I've been away for a couple of weeks, but I'm back, and it's a pleasure to be with you. And thank you so much for tuning in and for listening to this week's Parsha Shir. What is the meaning of life? It's an important question. And perhaps this is not a problem that regularly keeps you up at night. But I imagine that you've asked yourself this question at least once in your life. What is it that God wants from us? It's a simple question. And if we knew the answer, life would be so much simpler. We struggle all our lives to work it out. And if we had the answer to this question, life would not be such a struggle. Now, you might think that such a deep philosophical question is beyond the realms of the written Torah. The Torah is not really that kind of book, is it? It's a book of stories and of do's and of don'ts. Existential considerations are too deep and too complex for the Torah. But as it happens, the Torah addresses this question head-on. It's in Parshat Ekev, not obliquely, not hidden behind some metaphor or homiletic interpretation, but straightforward and direct. Listen to this. And now, Israel, what does God, your God, want from you? Actually, the meaning of life is not some philosophical abstract to be contemplated by boring philosophers and theologians. It is right there in the Torah, a concept for everyone to think about, to consider, and to discover for themselves. The Torah immediately offers an answer to the question. Here it is. Do you know what God wants from us? This is what the Prophet says. Only this, to fear God, your God, to walk only in his paths, to love him and to serve God with your, your God with all your heart and soul, keeping God's commandments and statutes, which I charge you with today for your good. So there we have it. Only this, we have to fear God, we have to love him, we have to do everything he asks, and we have to do it with all our heart and with all our soul. Now, how exactly is that list only this? It seems a lot more than only this. Is it love we're expected to have for God or fear? Is it his commandments we must observe or his statutes? Must we serve him with all our heart or with all our soul? It was such a simple question. What's the one thing that God wants from us? But where is the simple answer? It's hard to figure out just what God wants from us based on what the Torah says in that posuk. At the beginning, it seems we are given one manageable aspiration to fear God. But tagged onto that is a shopping list of the greatest expectations. It almost seems as if God is making fun of us, telling us that the one thing he wants from us is very simple and then telling us that we need to split the atom, climb Mount Everest, sail single-handedly around the world, make a billion dollars and achieve world peace. Really? That's the simple, uncomplicated expectation? One of Rabbi Nachman of Breslov's most famous stories beautifully illustrates the intention of this passage. There was once a prince who was so thoroughly convinced that he was a turkey that he behaved just like a turkey, refusing to wear clothes. He clucked around and gobbled around on the floor all day, picking up kernels of grain with his mouth and gobbling to himself. His father, the king, was beside himself with grief and frustration. No one, it seemed, could convince the prince 
that he was not a turkey. And so it went on. One day, a wise man appeared at the king's court and told the king that he could cure the prince. He sat down next to the prince, took off his clothing and began gobbling and pecking at the floor, looking for grain. The prince looked at him with great scepticism, but soon both of them were pecking together for grain on the floor. After some time had elapsed, the wise man put on his socks. The prince looked at him and said, Aha! So you're not really a turkey. The wise man smiled. Of course I'm a turkey, he said. But a turkey can still wear socks. It wasn't too long before the prince was also wearing socks. The next day the wise man put on a shirt and once again the prince accused him of being a fraud. The wise man dismissed the accusation, saying, A turkey? can wear a shirt and still be a turkey. The prince also put on a shirt. The next day it was his pants. After that, the wise man sat at the table and reminded the prince that a turkey could sit at a table. In the end, the prince was eating and drinking and conversing with princely manners because the wise man had convinced him that a turkey can also behave like a prince. Eventually, the prince began to feel more like a prince than a turkey, and the turkey was gone for good. The author of the Orachaim commentary, Chaim Ibn Attar, explains that this verse offers a unique insight into how one might obtain a relationship with God. God wants us to be close to him, but no relationship begins at full throttle right at the start, and particularly a relationship that has a spiritual dimension. We're all turkeys, but we need to be princes. It starts with a pair of socks. If you understand the profound breadth and depth of God, you'll come to fear him. That is stage one. For the initial period of the relationship, that is all God wants from you. But don't stop there, because once you fear God, you begin to work on loving God. After that, you do things for God, and slowly but surely, you do them with all your heart, and then with all your soul. Initially, you will only do things that make sense, commandments, but ultimately you will do the stuff for God that doesn't make sense, statutes. Although, by that time, you will be more than ready to do them. The point that God is making about the meaning of life is that from the moment you put those socks on, from the moment you're ready for God, you're royalty. Once that is your focus and your aspiration, the end result is a foregone conclusion. That is really by way of introduction to a beautiful Nasibus Sholem in Parsha Sekev. It's a fascinating piece that takes the ideas I've just shared with you from the Rachaim and from Rav Nachman of Breslov even further. And I want to share them with you. I want to share this concept with you through the eyes of the Nasibus Sholem to see what it is that this posuk, this one posuk in Parshas Ekev, can teach us about the Jewish experience and about the God relationship experience. That's the posuk. What does God want from you? That's what the posuk says. And from what it appears, from all the words of the commentaries, this is what the Nesiva Shalom tells us, 
Shakodesh Baruch Hu This one posuk is the advice. It's God-given advice. God is giving you, as an individual Jew, advice as to how we can have a relationship with Him. How is it you could enter through the gates of the service of God? How is it possible for a mere person of flesh and blood? We are molded out of mere physical material to go into the spiritual, to enter into the divine and to properly act in the service of God, to go through those gates that take us into the domain of the divine presence. The Amra Torah, and the Torah tells us, says the Nesiva Shalom, what is it that God wants from you? What's the one thing that God wants from you? The only thing He wants from you is to have a fear of God. Yiras Shamaim, Yiras Hashem. Reishis kol tikhu atzmechem lemidas hayira. The first thing you need to do is take yourself into the attribute of fear. Umizeh tovoyu achakach memela. And through this, the Yira is a portal. It's not that God is asking you to do multiple things. He's giving you advice, says the Nesiva Shalom. If you start off with Yira, if you use Yira as the platform for your relationship with God, you're going to come to all those other things. It's taking the idea of the Orachaim and Rav Nachman of Breslev even further. We need to have an access point. We need to have a doorway into the service of God. And that doorway is Yira. What is the one thing that God wants from you in order so that he can have a relationship with you is that you have a fear of God. And once you do that, it will open up all the vistas. You will have enabled yourself to do everything that you need to do in the service of God. Yira is a portal to everything else. It's the mafteach, midahayira hi ha mafteach, sha'orim. It's the key to all the doors, all the gates. And through it, you shall reach every other level. We spoke about this a few weeks ago. The Posuk says, the beginning of wisdom is Yiras Hashem, is the fear of Hashem. It's the beginning of everything else. It is the introduction. It is the first um, stop that you need to get to, the first base in order to achieve everything else. And that's what God is telling you in this posuk in Parshas Ekev. But really we need to understand why. Why is Yira so unique? Why is this attribute of fearing God so unique that it, it, will, it will elevate you to every other possible level? And we can understand it by looking at the Sefer Prihoretz. Do you know who wrote Prihoretz? Sefer Prihoretz was written by Rabbi Menachem Mendel of Vitebsk. He was a Talmud of the Magid of Mezrich. He was born in 1730. 
He died in 1788, but at some point, about 20 years before he died, or 30 years before he died, he moved with 300 Hasidim of the Maggid of Mezrich. He moved to Eretz Yisrael, he lived in Tveria, and he founded the Hasidic community of Eretz Yisrael at that very early stage. It was during the 18th century. He wrote a Sefer, Sefer Priha Oretz, an incredible Sefer, it's one of the earliest of the Hasidish Svarim, and it contains the root elements of what it means to be a Chosid before it, it became so diffuse because there was such a multiplicity of approaches in the Hasidic world. He is from the source, from the root, because he was a Talmud of the Maggid of Mezrich who took his Talmud, his Rebbe's advice and moved to Eretz Yisrael and wrote this book, Pri Haaretz. Shemavar Divrei Kodesh, and he explains the words of the Zohar, this primary text of the Kabbalah. Somebody who has Yira, who has the fear of Hashem, lacks nothing. And he says, what does this mean when the Zohar tells us that someone who has Yira lacks nothing? He has the ultimate form of Yira Hashem, the ultimate form of the fear of God. That's how he refers to it. We'll see in a minute what that means. Yiras Hashem Lechaim, for life. A kind of enlivening Yiras Hashem. What does that mean? By the way, that's a posuk, it's a quotation from Mishlin in Perik Yutes. You should know that Yiras Hashem Lechaim is something that preceded the creation, everything that came about. If you want to know what type of Yira we're referring to when we say, let's say, Yeresh is Chochma Yiras Hashem, or when we say, Ma Hashem Lekecha Shoya Mi'imach, what is it that God wants from you? He only wants Yira. He's talking about this type of Yira. What is it? It's the type of Yira that gets you to have a relationship with God. Hepuch Kol Sha'ar Bechinois Hayira Sheheim Hedar Hadveikus. So interestingly enough, the concept of fear, the attribute, the characteristic of fear, is something that actually prevents you from having a relationship with another party. If you fear somebody, you can't have a relationship with them. It's very interesting. And this is a unique type of fear. It is totally separate. It's totally different from any other type of fear. Called here in Mishlei, Yiras Hashem Lechaim, referred to in the Zohar as the type of fear that you need to have to the exclusion of everything else in order that you lack nothing. What type of fear is that? Somebody who is, has fear, who is very anxious of other people, of somebody else, let's say, can't have a close relationship with that person because he fears them or she fears them. It's not possible to form a close bond with that person. For where there is fear, where there is relationship anxiety, you cannot form a bond. You can't become close. This type of fear of is totally different. Why? Because it's the type of fear that will enable you to have a full-on close relationship and it's totally different than every other type of Yira. It's the type of Yira that is the highest form 
of Yirah that you can have, and that enables you to have a close relationship. Listen to the explanation. How do we explain it? How is it possible that in ordinary circumstances, if you have fear, it's not possible for you to have a close relationship? But if you have Yiras Hashem Lechayim, you can. What does that mean? It is true that anyone who receives something from somebody else, they have a sense of separation or I don't know exactly how to explain it, but they are not entirely comfortable in the presence of the, of the one who is giving them whatever it is that they are receiving. Because in a sense they have an understanding and appreciation that if it wouldn't be for the fact that they had this relationship with whoever the mashpia is, they wouldn't be able to receive. They are totally dependent on that mashpia. Without that person, he's nothing. It's not possible. Because everything that they receive comes from that who is giving it to the person who is giving it to them. And now we have this sense of the relationship with God. Because really and truthfully, without God we are nothing. We're not talking about another human being. Because another human being can be there or not be there. We may be very dependent on that other human being, but ultimately... We have a sense of ourselves, we have an ego, we have a sense of me, and they are an other. But when it comes to God, there is no me when it comes to God. There is no ego when it comes to God. I am totally misbatel to that mashpia. I am a makabel and a misbatel. I am a receiver and I'm one who's completely allowed my ego to be dominated in the presence of God. That's what it means, Yiras Hashem Lechaim. Not that you're in constant fear. You know that uh, we call ourselves, the very religious Jews call ourselves Charedim. What does Charedim mean? It means that we're shaking, right? Charedim Lidvar Hashem. By the way, there's an equivalent in the Christian world. They've taken this same word from Yeshaya and they call themselves Charedim, but they don't translate it as shakers, they translate it as Quakers. The Quakers have taken their name. They're also, they're the Charedim of the Christian world. But that's not what we're talking about. That's a, a lower level of Yira. The highest level of Yira is there's no fear in the sense that I'm frightened. There's fear in the sense that I am misbatel. I completely um, uh, decrease any sense of ego that I may have in order to become a part of the greater whole that is God. Um, we become included within him, as it were. That's the ultimate form of relationship, where there's no difference between you and the other party. You are one, you're not two, because two means I am myself and they are themselves. But if you become part of, that's the highest form of Gira is, I am nothing without the other one. Therefore, I become part of the other one. I become part of God. I've completely and utterly taken myself out of the equation when it comes to my relationship with God. I'm not part of anything that's my own. 
I am totally a part of what it is that God is. That's the ultimate form of Yira, which leads to the ultimate form of Dveikus. Because a person understands that without Hashem they are nothing. Everything about a person, everything about our lives is only because we have received it from Hashem. We are simply an extension of the Koyach Elyon, of the elevated power of God. And as a result of this negating of your ego, you are able to reach to the ultimate form of relationship with Hashem. Somebody who has this form of Yira, says the Zohar, this is what Sefer Prihaaret says. Somebody who has this form of Yira lacks nothing. They lack absolutely nothing. Because by virtue of the fact that they are close, that they are totally at one with God, there is not a matter, there is nothing that they cannot reach or they cannot have a connection with. And as a result, they can perpetuate all the miracles and all the wonders. That's what the Sefer says by Rabbi Nachum Mendel of Vitebsk, who was one of the great disciples of the Magad of Mezrich, that foundational figure of the Hasidic movement. What is the purpose of Torah? What is the purpose of all the mitzvahs? He had Vekus Boyasbarach. The only reason we have Torah, the only reason we have mitzvahs, is so that we can become close to Hashem. The says in We can't understand why. We don't know the why. But we can work out from what it is that God has told us in the Torah and by everything that has happened to us throughout Jewish history. And in fact, throughout world history is recorded in the Torah from the initial moment of Adam HaRishon and Noach and the Ovois and the Shiftei Khan, everything that we know is that God wants to be a part of the world, the physical world. We don't know why. We can't explain why. How do we know it? Because it says he wants to have a residence, as it were, in the Tachtonim, in the below, in the physical material world, in the world that we're familiar with. How do we know that? Because it says in Parshas Teruma, it says, please make me a Mikdash, a sanctuary, and I will dwell within it, or among them. That seems to be the ultimate desire of God um, in the creation of the world. Why did he create the universe? Why did he create the world? Why did he create physical beings so that he can be among them. It's specifically in this, um, I guess, negative environment of physicality and material and lack of spiritual. Because we're not heaven. We're not angels. We don't reside in a spiritual plane. And yet that is where God wants to be. That's where God wants to reside. And Flesh and blood creatures that are molded from material. He gets pleasure. 
He gets a sense of satisfaction. He gets a sense of achievement when human beings, human beings who have no connection, as it were, naturally, in a natural way, they have no connection with God, no connection with the spiritual or with the divine, and yet they seek out the divine. That is the achievement that God seeks from the physical creation, the world as we know it. It would appear that the entire purpose of God's creation of this world is so that the human, human beings, human creatures, mammals, flesh and blood can have a relationship with God. That's why God created the world. All the 613 mitzvahs, that's just, by the way, a number. All the commandments that we're given, that are relevant to us, the things that we can do, that we're commanded to do, from wearing tzitzis to eating in a sukkah to making a brocha over an apple to being kind to our fellow man, all of those things. These are all different methods by which we can come close to God. We have been given 613 bullet points, instructions, methods by which we can get close to Hashem. That is the, that is the whole purpose, the point of creation. The pieces of advice. Hey, do you want to get close to Hashem? Shake a lulav on sukkahs. How does that work? It's not important how it works. That's what Hashem wants. You want to get close to Hashem? Give tzedakah, give charity. But why? Why if I give charity to somebody else, does it make any difference? To it makes a difference. God wants that. That's why he created the world. When he sees the charity that a human being can do for another human being, when he sees us observing the mitzvah of charity, observing all the mitzvahs, when we keep Shabbos, when we eat matzah on Pesach, when we do all the things that we need to do in order to, but even the most mundane things, when we turn marriage from simply a union of two people into something over which we make a blessing, we sanctify it with a boire prihagofen and a brocha. That is something that gives God satisfaction. Because truthfully, if, that, if it wasn't the case, how would it be possible that a flesh and blood uh, material human being how is it possible that mere nothings, that we are, what are we? We're human beings. How could we have, how could we even think? How could we have the chutzpah to imagine that we could have a relationship with Hashem? Do you know how we know that we can? Because he left us a book of instructions. A list of things that we can do and a list of things that we shouldn't do. That's how we know that this by this, if we do this, we're going to make him happy. And then, I want to dwell among you. I could stay in the heavens. I could be a god of the heavens and live with the malochim. And it's perfectly okay and you do what you do and I do what I do. No, that's not what God wants. God wants to be among us and he wants us to have a relationship with him. 
And in order to achieve that objective, we've got to do all the things that he has instructed us to do. As a result of this desire that God has to have a bond with us, a relationship with us. He gave us the 630 mitzvahs. These are pieces of advice. That when we carry them out, when we execute them, we will, through this, reach a relationship, achieve a relationship with God. And on this says the Torah, That's what the Pasuk is talking about. What is it that God wants from you? One thing. All he wants is that we should have fear. Right now, in this moment, how are we going to get there? Right this minute, I, you know, we all like immediate, effective advice. We need to know right now, what should I do? Don't tell me what I should do in three years' time. Don't tell me what's going to happen in three years' time. I want to know right now. I'm going to get out of this situation. I, I want to have a relationship with Hashem right now. What should I do? If it is your intention to go through the gates that will lead you into the service of God, and what is that service but to have a close relationship, a close bond with Hashem? In fact, the Medrash says the word always connotes to Shuvah, repentance, return, because that's what Shuvah means. Shuvah means to abandon our material ways, abandon our worldly ways, that draw us away from God and return, draw closer to God. That's And the word va'ata, says the Medrash, always whenever it says va'ata, it means teshuvah. And this fits in so beautifully here. If you want to begin on that path that will ultimately result in the, um, the complete teshuvah, the essence of teshuvah, shihudi here. Dovuk Bashem, which is that a Jew needs to be Dovuk, to cling to God, to be as close as possible to God. And you might have thought it's not possible at all for any human being to achieve this objective. This Pasuk answers that question. What is it? What is the key? How am I going to get there? How am I going to write Va'ata? Now I want to start Teshuvah. What should I do? How am I going to achieve that objective? What is the advice that you can give me? Moshe Rabbeinu says, what is it that God wants from you so that you can get through that door? You can squeeze through that little space that the door is not quite shut yet. You know, we always have that image, Ne'ilah, the door's not quite closed and we want to squeeze in. The only thing that Hashem wants is to first start from this idea of Yira. And by the way, we're talking about Yiras Hashem Lechayim to to understand completely that you are, to have a lack of ego in the presence of Hashem. That is the surefire method by which you can achieve the ultimate objective. That's how you're going to do it. That you will see yourself as a receiver and God as the giver. And as a receiver, the only way you can receive everything that there is to receive is to 
to completely negate your ego, to imagine that if you don't exist in the face of the overpowering, overwhelming presence of God and what it is that he gives you and can give you. That is how you can do it. You have to be and as a result of this hispatlus, as a, re- a re- result of this self-negation, as a result of understanding that you are ein for fs, you are nothing and zero, in the sense of God, not that you're nothing, and by the way, ego is important, and the individuality is important, but not in the face of God. Maybe in the face of others in the world, but when it comes to your relationship with God, ein for fs is the way to go. Hashem, then you will achieve your dveikas b'ashem. That's what the Pasuk is telling you. Right, now once you get through that door, you squeeze through that gap, now you're in there, the whole field is open to you. All the other madregas can be achieved. Etc., etc. You can achieve everything else. Once you've squeezed through the door, through this yiras Hashem shayroshis, just like God is Rachum, is merciful, so you too should be merciful. Just as God has got compassion, so you too should have compassion. But how can one ever even say that? How can Chazal even tell us that we could have the same kindness and compassion and consideration as God? We're not God. We're mere human beings, and God is God. How does that work? How is it possible to come to love Hashem, or to have this sense of doing everything that God wants you to do with all your heart, and with all your soul? How is that even possible? But once you understand this concept of self-negation in the face of God for the service of God, this idea of Yiras Hashem Lechayim, everything makes sense. The entire story makes sense. Once you know that, everything else is possible. That is the portal to every single other aspect of your relationship with God. First, this Yira, not Yira that you're a Quaker. That's not what we're talking about. By the way, that's part of it. Maybe that's the route to it. Maybe that's how you have to start, is by quaking in your shoes, by shaking in your shoes, by being a Haredi Lidvar Hashem, in the sense that you want to achieve this ultimate objective of Yiras Hashem Lechaim, as the Posig Mishli says, and as explained to us in the Sefer Priha Oretz, brought here by the Nesivas Shalom. Maybe that's um, the route to there, but ultimately, Yiras Hashem Lechaim is that you need to be nothing in the presence of God. Totally be mispatel yourself, so that you are a makabel to the extent that the only thing that matters is the mashpia, the only thing that matters is God, in the face of, your, of, of everything that you come into contact with. As a result of this total mispatlis, this total self-negation in the face of God, you completely get rid of your ego when it comes to anything to do with God. You'll achieve even the most elevated objectives in terms of who you can become and what you could be. You can go in every single one of his ways. Don't imagine that anything is closed off to you. Everything is open. Whether it's the study of Torah and understanding it, whether it's the 
um, charitable kindness of those who are the most charitable. Everything at the highest level is open to you if you achieve this objective of Yiras Hashem Lechaim. To love him, to have complete and utter love, devoted love for Hashem. To worship God, to be in the service of God with all your heart and with all your soul. I just want to end with a Gemara, a very well-known Gemara. It's brought here by the Nesiva Shalom. I'm going to read you the Gemara itself. It's, the Gemara actually quotes this Pasuk. It's a Gemara in Brachas Taflamad Gimel Amad Beis. Omer Rabbi Chanino. Rabbi Chanino said, I think this is the Rabbi Chanino who was a Talmud of Rebbe, one of the very earliest of the Amirayim. Ha'kol bidei shamayim chutz miyiras shamayim. Everything is in the hands of heaven besides for the fear of heaven. That's the only thing that is in your hands. Everything else, that's subject to God's whim. Shenemar, how do we know this? Our Pasuk. That Pasuk from Parshas Ekev, that's the Pasuk that tells us that the only thing that is not, as it were, in God's hands, not something that's going to automatically come from heaven, is... Yiras Shamaim. So, what does that mean? So, it sounds like that what Rabbi Hanino is saying, it's, he's presenting it as if it's a minor matter. Milsa Zutrasa. Just a minor thing. Oh, the only thing. Everything else don't worry about. That's in the hands of heaven. But Yiras uh, Hashem, okay, that's in your hands. It's a, such a simple matter. By the way, and this posuk was something that Moshe Rabbeinu said. Rabchanina said in the name of Reb Shimon ben Yochai, Ein loy hu The only thing that God keeps in his treasure house, in his treasury, is Yira, Yira Shemaim Shenema, Yira Hashem, He Oitzorah, it's a posuk. Yira Hashem, it's a posuk in Yeshaya, Periglamad Gimel, Posuk Vov. Yerashamayim, Yerashashem is something that is so treasured, God holds it. So, what, how is Rabbi Hanino, the same Rabbi Hanino, saying that Akobide Shamayim Chutzmi Yerashamayim, as if it's such a simple matter? There's nothing more important. Answers the Gemara in Legaba Moshe Milsa Zutrasahi. When it comes to Moshe, who's the one who said this Posuk, it's a simple matter. It's like somebody, we ask him for a, a giant vessel. The Yeshla, and he has it. As far as he's concerned, it's a nothing. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu, for him, Yerushalayim is not a big deal. It's not a big deal. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu is saying. Why? Because for him, it's not a big deal. It's like a massive vessel, but for him, it doesn't mean, it mean anything. It's like a tiny vessel because he has it. But if you ask somebody who has no vessel, cotton, ve'en loy, and you ask him for a small vessel, you could, you could have asked him for a big one, a small makes no difference, he hasn't got it, he can't give it to you. Moshe Rabbeinu is Milsa Zutra Sahi. That's what the Gemara says. Says the Nasiba Shalom, and this explains the Mamar Chazal on this Posuk, in Legaba Moshe Milsa Zutra Sahi. Pirish. 
what does it what does it mean when the question when he asks the question is this a simple matter hakavona ala yira hazois shimadrego gavoya kozushel isbatlus the question is about this ultimate form of yira not the quaking yira that's all we're talking about we're talking about this ultimate form of yira sashem lechaim which has been mentioned here from the sefer priharets this is the ultimate form of yira it's not a simple matter. That's what the Gemara is saying. What do you mean? That HaKobidei Shemaim, Chutzmir HaShemaim, as if it's a simple... It's not a simple matter. Yer is the biggest, most important, most profound matter facing humanity, facing the Jewish nation. We couldn't think of something more complex, something more important. And that's why the Gemara explains in the Gabba Moshe Milsa Zutra Sahi. For Moshe Rabbeinu, this is indeed a simple matter. He's the one who's saying the Posuk. He's presenting the idea to us that something that we should take on, and it's a Milsa Zutrasa. He was the most humble man who ever walked the face of the earth. What does his humility mean? How is it possible that Moshe Rabbeinu is this most humble of all men? What does that mean? What does that even mean? How is it possible that Moshe didn't reckon himself to be a great man? He knew what he was. He was a great man. Are we suggesting that Moshe was not aware of his greatness, was not aware of his elevated status? He was born into a, into a princely family for the Jewish nation. He was brought up in Pharaoh's palace by the daughter of the king. He knew exactly what he was. He was a prince. He was royalty. He was a leader. He brought the Jewish people out of Egypt. He remonstrated with God. He saw, fa- he saw God face on. He, he, in, there's no greater man who ever lived. And yet we say he was of. He was the greatest of all the humble people ever to walk on this earth. How is it possible that we could refer to him in this way as the greatest honor that ever walked the face of the earth? It's not that he didn't understand who he was, but in the face of Hashem, there was complete hispatlus, self-negation, no ego. Um, it's somebody who separates themselves completely in the face of God from their ego. You should know something. When it comes to ego, it's a zero-sum game. Ego and God don't match up. Yiras Hashem means that when it comes to Hashem, you don't think, well, I know better. Or even I know a little better, I, 99% Hashem knows, but 1% I know. No, no. There's 100% Hashem and 0% you. It could be that when it comes to other people, but this hispatlus that we're talking about, that Moshe Rabbeinu was an on of, when it came to Hashem Yisbarach, the Rabbeinu Shalom, HaKodesh Baruch Hu, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't reckon with himself. He was the least important. He didn't even exist in the face of God and he became absorbed that's how he was so great in fact he became absorbed within God if you want to explain it if you take one drop from the Mediterranean Sea from an ocean let's call it 
And you take that drop and you put it into a cup. It becomes its own water, right? You put a little drop of water in a cup. And you see the water in there. It becomes a, some water that's in that cup. Because it's separated from the sea. Ultimately, it makes a difference what you're going to say about this water. It's, it's not important. We take this water. You pour it into the sea. You take it and you pour it back into the sea. It in and of itself, it's not relevant how small it was because it's now connected to the full length and breadth and depth of the ocean at large. In and of itself, it's irrelevant. And yet it becomes connected and elevated as a result. So you might think, well, yeah, but now you can't see that drop. The drop is n- it's not visible to the naked eye. It's, it's not there. It's now it's part of everything else. Who cares about that drop? But the opposite is true. The drop has been elevated as a result of being part of this greater whole. When it was in the cup, yes, it had a sense of its own identity. But what was it? Tiny drop of water at the bottom of a cup. And now it's part of the sea. You might think to yourself, oh, what's it worth? It's worth nothing. It's worth everything because it's connected to everything else. No part of the water of the ocean has an identity in and of itself. It's all connected to every other drop of water in that ocean to make up this huge hole. And that's how we understand Moshe Rabbeinu. If it's not separated, but it is totally connected. Once Moshe Rabbeinu was connected to God, he only did it through his humility. But once he was connected to God, it's a paradox. He became greater than every other man on earth because of his humility. That was the greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu, and that is what he is charging us to do. When he tells us, What is he telling us? He's not telling us that it's a complicated matter. It's a Milsa Zutrasa for him. He's saying, it's a simple matter for me, I understand, I've achieved that objective. But if you want to have the vast ocean connected to you, the only way to do it is to follow my lead, is to become a Moshe Rabbeinu. And then everything else will follow. That is the purpose you have on this earth, is to have that relationship with God, where God is everything and you become nothing, so that you have access to everything and can do everything that God wants you to do. We'll leave it here for today.